Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research, what's hot in the news, or any topic that can affect our health, vitality, and longevity. Today, I'm going to talk sleep. Not a splashy topic, but foundational to health, and one I've had to study because I struggled with it. Do you struggle with it? Do you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? According to the American Sleep Association, yes, there is such an association, an astounding 30 to 50% of the American population has trouble with insomnia, and 10% has chronic insomnia. That was from 2010. And now we're hypercaffeinated for sure. And COVID with the stress hormones and fear sky high, isolation and all that stress hormones are over the top. So that today is what I'm going to cover is how much sleep we really need, what interferes with sleep quality, and what you can do to get a good night's sleep so you can be your healthiest. The amount of sleep you need changes over time. Babies sleep 12 to 17 hours. They're just eating and growing. School-age kids, they need more. They need about 10 hours. So they're growing. They're taking up energy too. Adults, seven to nine hours and no shortcuts. You know, you may think that you can get by on less, but studies show less than 3% of the population really can. Uh, seniors 65 and over need about seven to eight hours. So, but since the light bulb was discovered, we sleep 30% less. We used to go to bed when the sun went down and got up when the sun got up. Well, in the winter, oh boy, is that like 5.30 p.m. until 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning? Oh boy. But now everything is available 24-7. Computers have made entertainment and work possible at any time. So many of us work from home. We're working even later and later. I mean, who doesn't have a home office anymore? Sleep is getting the short end of the stick for the need for productivity. But we need to make sleep a priority because it really affects our health and our daily effectiveness. Sleep Management Institute, yeah, there is such a thing, at least lists the following as some of the side effects to sleep deprivation. And you know it's true. Poor concentration and focus, like brain fog, difficulty with memory, impaired coordination, irritability, nobody wants to be around you, so it impairs social interaction. And none of those are good for work. But then also, how about motor vehicle accidents equal to alcohol impairment? And last but not least, it can make you gain weight. Your level of leptin, that one that regulates how satisfied you are, drops a lot if you don't get enough sleep. So you're hungrier, even if you just ate. At the same time, the level of the hormone ghrelin, the one that growls and stimulates your appetite, it goes up and it makes you even hungrier and makes you crave carbohydrates. So it's not a lack of willpower that's making you want to eat cookies when you wake up in the middle of the night. Sleep and wait. It's a two-way street. Lack of sleep can make you gain weight, and weight gain can lead to lack of sleep and sleep apnea. Luckily, you can take steps to break these tight links with your weight and energy, and overall health will improve. 
Recent research has documented that sleep disturbances even impacts the body's immune response, increasing your, fri- your risk for infectious disease, read COVID, depression, cardiovascular disease, and even cancer. So sleep needs to be a priority. So how are we going to get a good night's sleep? You know, first of all, I'm going to have to say diet. It is crucial when it comes to sleep deprivation. Sugar and carbs before bed are going to raise the body temperature to burn those sugars off, and that disrupts sleep. Also, and not least, is going to be it's causing a spike in insulin, the fat storage hormone. So all that food you eat is going to be stored as fat. So it's really best not to eat after dinner. But if you do need a little something, maybe go with some healthy fats like avocados or nuts. They're better late night choices because they're going to be high in magnesium and potassium and they're going to keep that blood sugar steady all night, not going to drop, not going to have a spike in insulin. Or, you know, my favorite is a cup of bedtime tea or bone broth before going to bed. Worst things to eat, spicy foods, greasy foods, meat and cheeses, alcohol. Some people like to think of a nightcap, but I like to say passing out is not falling asleep and alcohol of all kind interferes with deep restorative sleep and it keeps your resting heart rate higher so you are not getting restful sleep. Caffeine, eh, there's a half-life to caffeine, so no caffeine after lunch. In fact, if you've got hormone issues, maybe go stimulant-free. Nicotine, dark chocolate, any kind of chocolate, Um, and of course, sugars and carbs. Next, have to say, sleep routine is profound. You know, it's not sexy, but boy, it's an essential element when it comes to a healthy sleep pattern. Setting and following a routine is going to increase the likelihood of your brain learning how to fall and stay asleep. The National Sleep Organization recommends a consistent bedtime and wake-up time. So, you know, if you're a night owl, I know it's tough, but slowly adjusting that inner clock, and they suggest about 15 minutes a night till your regular sleep time is going to be at your bedtime goal. As for getting up, if you're hitting that snooze button, you're not getting enough sleep. You need to go to bed earlier. So, important to keep that, you know, even on the weekend so that you get into a good rhythm. You know, it's a little easier now that the sun is getting up earlier in the winter, a little more challenging. So now is a good time to start working on this sleep routine, and it may take a little bit. So what is sleep hygiene? It's not taking a bath in bed. Sleep hygiene is a term that's used to describe how we prepare our mind and our body for sleep, beginning hours before sleep time. In fact, a window of about three hours is where we need to be looking. Okay, so here are some tips. You might want to write them down. So eat about three hours before sleep. And we're talking a lighter, balanced dinner and minimize liquids. You don't want to have to get up and go to the bathroom. Also, make a plan to abstain from electronic devices a couple hours before sleep. More on that later. You might want to do some light activity, like strolling the neighborhood, doing some stretches, doing a little yoga. Avoid hard workouts towards bedtime because that can be too stimulating. 
um, reducing or eliminating caffeine and no more after lunchtime. There's that half-life again. Okay, then also making sure that the sleep space, your bedroom, is quiet, is dark, and a comfortable temperature. We're talking 65 to 68 degrees. Okay, you may think you like it hot, but it's not good for restorative sleep. Okay, and then keeping a regular sleep schedule even on the weekends. Another one that a lot of people like to add as part of their bedtime routine is a warm bath. It kind of washes away all the day's activities and it soothes the body. You know, it can be a shower, but a bath, you can put some Epsom salts in there with a little bit of lavender. And the magnesium from the salt is a natural relaxant and the lavender is oh so calming. National, the Institute of Naturopathic Sleep Medicine states that a warm bath before bed is effective because it lifts the body temperature, and then when it drops, sleep is induced by the sudden drop in body temperature. Science. Okay, so those are the absolute basics. Another one we have to think about, according to the Natural Sleep Foundation, exercise. I like to think of it as that yin-yang, you know, that circle that's got the, the two kind of paisleys in it. It's the yin-yang, the activity and the quiet. Exercise is going to reduce insomnia for many ways. It's going to decrease stress, anxiety, and depressive symptoms, but it's also going to promote restfulness. Same side of the same coin, or both sides of the same coin, sleep and activity. So you can do any kind of exercise earlier in the day. It's best in the morning where you can get the bright sunlight, but anything, walking, jogging, anything that's going to increase your heart rate, strength training. There can be bands or yard work or, you know, you can even use yoga as weight training. You don't have to buy weights. But also anything like stretching, anything quiet is going to be good. Um, anyway, now, next thing, stress. Stress is one of the leading causes of insomnia. Ruminating about the day's events racing mind, making lists, recalling conversations, all those amp up stress hormones, and they're going to stop your natural production of melatonin. Melatonin is supposed to make you drowsy. And this is a key point. If you've got a lot of cortisol, no way melatonin is going to work. So one way to reduce stress and keep the mind from being a runaway train is to use mindful breathing. Slow, deep breathing actually helps override the sympathetic nervous system, the one that controls the fight or flight, and lets the parasympathetic system, the resting and digesting response, which really controls our ability to relax, breathing lets takes the wheel. So when you practice deep breathing in bed, it gives your body permission to quit being on high alert and instead to relax. I've had to be a real student of it, and it works. You know, there's several. Now, these could be part of your bedtime routine before you get in bed. Um, diaphragmatic breathing is one of them. And that is where you put one hand on your chest, one on your belly. You breathe in deeply for about two seconds. You stick your belly out and feel the air expand from, the, from your stomach, and then you breathe out through your mouth. Okay? Yogic breathing is another one, and this is really kind of cool. Um, they've done so many studies on this yogic alternate nostril breathing. Uh, good for a lot of things. It really does change the way your brain chemistry is, is firing. So 
You can do this as a bedtime routine ritual. Place your right thumb over your right nostril and you breathe in through the left nostril. Then you take your right ring finger and place it over the left nostril and you know inhale and you exhale out of the right one. Then switch sides. Just do the, the same thing. So these, these are great ones to do before you get in bed, but then when you get in bed, this is the one that has been my favorite for a long time and while I was rewiring my brain, and it's called the 478, or I guess now they call it box breathing. Inhale for the count of four, hold your breath for seven, and then you exhale for eight. You repeat this until you fall asleep. I've kind of shortened it to four and eight. Inhale for the count of four, exhale slowly for the count of eight. I've done this long enough that many times I don't even get to the last eight. It's all about training your body and mind. Another great technique is meditation. Meditation, you know, to work on breath and focus and centering the body. You can try mantras. Um, sometimes I listen to a sleep meditation when I have my phone on airplane mode. You know, you really gotta be careful with all the electronic devices because all those have a blue screen, including a television. And that blue screen stimulates your brain and it's gonna suppress melatonin and gonna keep you from going to sleep. It is like having a cup of coffee and then trying to sleep. You know, you really wanna limit the blue screens, but if you absolutely can't, get a set of blue blocking glasses. You know, it's kind of like the bright morning sunlight has the same amount of that blue spectrum. So if you're exposed to it during the day, that's good, but at night, it's gonna keep you up. Then let's talk sound. Noise may be keeping you from falling asleep. Some people like to watch TV and maybe that helps them, but you know, some people like the, the white noise and that also can kind of drown out or rainforests or rivers. So let's talk smell. All the senses are involved here. So you might want to try lavender or cedar wood or chamomile. Different ways to use those either in a diffuser or in the bed where you can spritz your pillow. You can do a foot massage or you can just inhale it directly from the bottle. Of course, there are herbs that help. The German Commission E has several that they recommend. Lavender, and uh, valerian, my favorite, lemon balm, hops, passionflower, chamomile, kava kava. A lot of those are in my bedtime tea. Melatonin helps some people, but you have to have a good brand. They aren't all what they say they are. And melatonin isn't gonna work if you have too many stress hormones. That's why I've given you all this information. You have to rewire the brain to get you back into a restful, restorative sleep. They're gonna have all the benefits. When you get good sleep, you're gonna have increased concentration and focus and memory and coordination and gonna make you more likable and less irritable. It's also gonna help prevent infectious disease, depression, cardiovascular disease, even cancer, and may help you lose weight. So sleep, a really key to health, vitality, and longevity. Thanks again for listening to another edition of Today's Nutrition. As always, if you want to listen to this or other shows, you can go to my website, debford.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I hope you've learned something will help you or someone you love get a better night's sleep. It takes a little time, but it's so worth it. Have a great day, and remember to do a few really good things for yourself today.